What's up, everybody? Adam from Back Patio Network here, along with my good pal... Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And as always, we are bringing you another week of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. Uh, it's been awesome. We've really enjoyed it. But before we get into the show, we would love it if you would leave us an iTunes review uh, or any podcasting app review. If you listen on Stitcher or wherever, you can leave us a five-star review. Please go do it. We'd love it. And if you want to support the show, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash network. And hop in our Discord. Come talk with us about these vigilantes. They're a lot of fun, and uh, we clearly enjoy talking about it with each other. We'd love to talk about it with you as well. So hop on in. We'd love to see some new faces. So fun fact, um, I had previously already rated our podcast because, of course, I did. Um, but after your our joint PSA about rating podcasts and it being an easy thing that, you know, if you're a listener and you're enjoying something, it takes two seconds uh, to go to iTunes and just click the number of stars that you want to ascribe quality wise to the content that you're enjoying, most of which is free. Um, so uh, I realized after we had talked about that for the AMP that I was like, I listened to probably 10 or 12 podcasts that I haven't done that for yet. Um, oh, yeah. And for me to go through in iTunes and give them all five star reviews, because really I'm only listening to five star content. Um, <laughs> so I went through and just clicked them all uh, at five stars. It took me less than five minutes to hit almost 12 podcasts and give them five-star review. It takes yeah, no and time. And it's a big deal to these guys. All Even these podcasts that, you know, we're we're asking for reviews. I think we have six on iTunes. Um, <laughs> but other podcasts that I follow are still asking for reviews. And they've got hundreds and in and, and some cases even you know, north of a thousand reviews. It's just a good metric. It's a healthy metric. Um, and not just yeah. for us to like be like hooray now we have seven reviews pats on back um but for the algorithms and it just it's a it's your way of of supporting us even without ever tossing you know one bronze penny in our direction and not that we're asking for that although you know bpn obviously has a patreon sure and you get cool stuff through the patreon it's you know it really helps pay for a lot of the server costs and all that stuff that's really what it's there for and we appreciate all the help we get and if you do happen to want to check out patreon or itunes reviews or even the, just the website which has a link to our discord all of that stuff is in the description it's an easy clickable link for you right now yeah and i believe most of that information at least as it regards the amp is also pinned on our twitter profile at almighty pod uh it should be the first thing that you see if you navigate to our page a link to all of the places where you can listen to this podcast and i believe the discord link is all uh, is also up there Awesome. Now that we've cleaned house, let's talk about Vigilantes, because we left off at a really awful place to drop a story, I felt like, last week. I mean, in in one sense, yes, but also this is the thing that, like, for the last four or five of our episodes that I've been like, can, can we just get on to the oh, thing with Queen yeah. with Queen B, with, with Honey? I want to see this fight. And then that's where we, so we were on the precipice of that last week, which had me absolutely stoked to finish out uh, volume four of Vigilantes, which wraps that in entire thing up and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight which is going to be episodes or chapters 23 24 25 26 and at the end we'll give a little couple minutes worth of attention to what they call like episode or chapter zero um, which is just a, a quick little aizawa and all might explaining what a vigilante is for funsies so yeah and it can't be canon unless they're referring to the vigilantes in the past because i feel like the vigilantes take place several years before Aizawa and All Might are teachers. It does. So. And it I think it even says like in the explanation beforehand that it's like 
it, yeah, this isn't like in actual continuity because Deku probably would have still been ele- in elementary school, like during right. the he, course of these events. He's still like headbanging to that All Might video. On right, YouTube right, right, yeah, now. <laughs> and crying his eyes out and having his toes checked by doctors, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It was a toe thing, wasn't it? Like if you're, is it if you're missing your pinky or if there's like an extra bone in your pinky toe? Yeah, I don't remember. I just remember it, it being a silly, silly explanation and just kind of moving yeah. past it because they haven't not <laughs> once mentioned it since then. Um, you're totally right. So <laughs> it's just like, okay, it's something about a toe. Who cares? Um, so uh, with that, we move along into episode slash chapter 23, which is simply called Daughter. It picks right up where we left off from episode 22 with Knuckle Duster and Honey, as we've been referring to her, as up on a roof outside of the big venue where Pop and Koichi are, where they're putting on this big show. It's like a marketing scheme, really. Um, And they're about to just fight. I mean, this looks like it's about to be insane. And we've just left off with Knuckle Duster calling Honey his daughter. Uh, And I think, I mean, you and I talked about this quite a bit extensively last week on all the different theories. You know, could he really she really be his daughter or not i i feel like after having read this it is very plausible that it is her like this is his daughter but there's like a parasite in her that is taken over and that had to have been her quirk of some kind or someone else's quirk you know what i mean yeah and that's something that uh i did want to spend some time talking about um so as we this is tamao is 100% knuckle dust knuckle dusters biological kid Definitely. i don't have any any misgivings about that um that seems super on the tin um and the the quirk itself though is very interesting because a knuckle duster is presenting himself with this giant like taser knuckle thing and we saw that at the end of the last chapter and he advances on tamao um and throws this pit uh this electric fist at her but it's a faint and he punches her in the mouth and when he does this he he basically refers to her as a b user at some point yeah and and he's used that phrase before in like a much earlier much earlier when he was talking about the bees themselves around koichi and pop star step but that idea this b user is a is a term that he's applying to her now that i think has been applicable to other people and i think in our last episode i talked about how this feels like a possession like this queen bee thing is something that has possessed her. And this in this chapter or in these series of chapters, it's referred to as a parasite, as a parasitic instead of as a possession, which blurs this line. Like, is this queen bee thing ultimately a quirk or is it this sentient other creature that possesses slash inhabits other people like that? The line there is super blurry to me. Especially yeah. like at the end of this, when he physically removes it from his daughter, um, which implies possibly or probably given some of the flashbacks that we see with Tama O before she has that, that it was at one time in somebody else. So it just kind of, I mean, she uses this language. We're getting ahead of ourselves a tiny bit here, but um, this, this all refers to this quirk and how it works. Um so it, I, th- I think you're right. Like it, it does blur the line quite a bit. And to me, it seems like it is a mixture of both. It reminds me of that old movie. I think it's early nineties. It may be called parasite, but it's where the, all the teachers and the like students in the school get that uh, alien parasite the in them. The faculty. Yeah. It, it feels like that where like, it is literally a parasite that is also controlling the brain because there are moments when knuckle duster is fighting her that he mentions that Tamuo is taking back over, like as if her personality is coming out. So overpowering the parasites influence it. It's also kind of like, uh, 
Animorphs. I don't know if you remember that or not. I remember Animorphs, but I don't, rem- I don't get that connection. The original villain in Animorphs was like a slug alien that would was oh. basically a parasite that got put into people's ears and it would crawl into their brain and then control them. Gotcha. I mean, this is, it's a, they call it a quirk, I think. Um, but it's a weird quirk. It is. Yeah. It lies. It's a different kind of quirk. I think it's in a category all of its own, at least relative to all of the other things that have been labeled quirks that we've seen where it, um, I mean, we've seen the, um, the one for all get passed around, but even this, this queen bee quirk is categorically different even than that. Like it does get passed around, but it's not, it feels like a sentient other being like, um, like like the brain slugs, you know, from like Futurama. Yeah. Like what if it's someone else's quirk? Like what if someone else is, when they received their quirk turned into this queen bee and that queen bee has infected people over the years, and one of them just so happened to have been Knuckle Duster's daughter. Yeah, and it, well, and it's and it talks about shedding hosts. Yeah. So I mean, I find it a stretch in my brain to think that some four or five year old kid turned into this giant queen bee slug larva looking thing and started possessing other people, and that's the, that's where I start struggling with like I don't understand how this thing works at all, but I'll. I'll give it this like it's it's pretty dope like this is a really fun <laughs> fight here that we get to see between Tama O and Knuckle Duster so he rushes in goes to throw this fist faints punches her right in the mouth and then he gets into this this discussion about what the actual taser fist thing is and he says that yeah. it's got high voltage and high amperage um, and there's, I had to look some of this stuff up cause I've run through, I've run tough mutters before. And one of the things that they boast is they have different electrical obstacles and, uh, they say that you're running through 10,000 volts, which sounds like a lot. Um, but they tend to be because of, I would Ohm's, imagine they're super low amperage. Yeah. So Ohm's law means that voltage and amperage are constant, like relatively constant with one another, like it's not mm-hmm. like 10,000 volts equals 10,000 amps, but it's a percentage. Correct. Um, but, f- but what he says is crazy. I, Cause I, I was like, all right, how many amps does it take to like stop a heart? Because that's a claim he makes in here. If I punch you in your chest, it's going to stop your heart. Um, so I looked it up in several different places on the internet said that, you know, Dr. Internet. So completely reliable information. Um, <laughs> but it says a hundred milliamps is enough to stop your heart. So it doesn't even have to be that many amps. It, it could be, a fraction of an amp and it would still do what he's saying that it needs to do or, or what he asked for it to be designed to do. Yeah. Cause if I remember correctly, it has like, if you get hurt when you get electrified, it has nothing to do with the voltage necessarily as much as it does with the amperage, the higher the amps, the more likely you are to die from it. Yeah. And it also has to do with like time. Time is a big factor in electrocution. Cause you could take a relatively high shock in a fraction of a second's worth of time. You could take a much lower a shock over a prolonged period of time and it do significantly more damage than the former. So it's weird. Electricity is weird. I don't claim to know a bunch about it, but I have, it's like, I mean, I've definitely been popped by, you know, the voltage that you have in your, in your house, you know, 120 volts. I've done that. 220 volts. I've done that. (laughs) No way, man. I don't mess with electricity. Like that's one thing I don't touch. I I will do, I'll try a lot of stuff. Electricity is not one of them. You know, I think I, I got shocked once as a kid with a, uh, like, dog fence or a horse fence you know and that was it after that i don't touch wires i don't touch outlets it's not my game it is pretty cool though because he 
he specifically has this thing designed um, and by somebody that we're familiar with, the guy named Girin yeah. or Girin. Um, Girin, yeah. The broker that we've seen in My Hero Proper. And he's like a villain broker. I was really surprised to see Knuckle Duster interacting with him in general. Yeah, I was curious about that relationship too, but it seemed to be one of like um almost like necessity like knuckle duster one of the things that he gets from it isn't just these electrical uh knuckles but um a steady supply of whatever type of painkiller that he's apparently relying upon yeah um so maybe he understands that he couldn't get that himself legally so he bends the rules a little bit in order to get what he wants illegally possibly um, that's so, fair and i guess he is a vigilante right like this is what separates him from a pro hero sort of like in the general sense, this is what separates him from a professional hero and being a vigilante. He doesn't have a problem getting stuff he needs, yeah. even if it's from an unreliable, questionable source. <laughs> but it's, the, the design of this is really cool. We'll get into that um, shortly. But um, anyway, Tamao backs up. And I guess, can we even refer to her as Tamao right now? I she's not know. really herself. No, she's until... not. Because I think right now she's Honey is what I'm going to refer to. Yeah, or Queen Bee. Or um, Queen Bee, yeah. Or what, I don't remember what her actual, what the classmates kept calling her, what her classmates did. Um, but yeah, she, she sends a bee after Knuckle Duster after this faint where she gets punched in the jaw. And it's like a bomb bee is what they call it. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It shows like a little diagram of it. Yeah, yeah, um, where it's got like, instead of a stinger, it's got like a tiny little fuse um, and possibly is filled with Bakugo sweat. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, it's if you're looking at this in the manga, when that first bee flies up uh, towards him, there's the splurt automatopoeia, and it's next to her face. And it made yeah. me think, because there's a scratch or a, a drop of blood on Knuckle Duster's face, but it's extant already. Like if you go back a page, you could see that cut and a drop on his face already. So yep. the splurt wasn't for that. I think it was the sound of her kind of exerting her quirk. Like maybe it has a physical limitation like we've grown familiar with too. Because he mentions that, at least in my version of this, he mentions that it it is uh, eating away at the body, basically. That like every time she uses the quirk to fuel the bees, it starts deteriorating the host. Yeah. It takes a toll on the host, doesn't it? So you can yeah. only make so many of those bombs. Which is true for a few pages anyway. Because um, she sends right. this one first and then a whole host of like basically blank bees uh, to try to scare Knuckle Duster, but he sees through it. Uh, and then a couple pages later, she sends out an actual full on swarm of those things. Um, and But at that time, the queen bee, the parasite things, I think has made up its mind that Tamo as a husker vessel is is done with. So... I think she's just ready to burn through it. Absolutely, yeah. Right shortly after the Bombi attack, they end up like jumping off the roof and he's going after her with this, I mean, incredible piece of gear that he's got. He's going to try and knock her out via the uh, electric knuckles. Uh, and then we transition over to the scene with uh, Popstep and Koichi, who is in the crowd and Midnight. They're trying to figure out kind of like what is going on with the event. Uh, and it's actually midnight checking in with Aizawa, trying to figure out like, hey, what's going on? Where are you at? And he's he's just hanging out with that like slimy eel guy, you know, like just chilling. Yeah, Teruo, I think was his name. I think that's right. Yeah. And he pretty much tells her like, hey, I've got the villain taken care of. We don't need any backup. The cops are on their way. Uh, just try and take care of things over there. And this is we get some funny scenes here between midnight 
and uh, President Mike because Mikado is asking her like, well, hey, do you think President Mike that maybe you could just like DJ for a little while and uh, then it'll be, you know, everything will be okay. We'll just we'll just keep you up there in the crowd. We'll be satisfied with you. And he's like, nope, sorry. You know, until everything's resolved, we're officially on standby. And uh, so she sends Captain <laughs> Captain Celebrity out to go get some power generators so that way they can fuel this event. And everyone's kind of freaking out. And uh, it's awesome because Koichi actually shows up with Pop's gear, like her street gear, and hands her, you know, her microphone and tells her like, hey, this is what you do. Like, this is your thing. This is your moment to shine. Get up there and you be the MC for a little while. Take care of this crowd. Yeah, I like a couple of things about this scene, too. The first thing is that he does his I am the man who blankety blanks the crawler um, when he yeah, shows up. I am up. the man who's brought something useful. Yeah. <laughs> the crawler. <laughs> the crawler. <laughs> also, like, um, I really like Pop's reactions to Koichi um, over the next couple pages. So at first, after he, after she hears him say that this is her specialty, it really perks her up. Um, because initially, with the idea that Mikado pitches to her that she wants to go out there and kind of MC this thing, she's very... There's like a panel where she's withdrawn with the... Like you don't see her eyes or heads downcast. Um, but then when she hears Koichi say that, she perks back up. And then uh, a couple pages later, everybody in the band is basically trying to encourage her. Um, but she's still kind of got this drop of sweat. I mean, even after Midnight and uh, Present Mike are encouraging her, saying, Yeah, get out there, do this thing, she still looks to Koichi first and last. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And uh, sees that he is encouraging her. And that's when she really. Uh, steps back into her into her persona and gets out there and begins to interface with the crowd. And that brings us to the end, actually, of uh, episode slash chapter 23. Right. So we start the next chapter off, episode 24, Dear Old Dad is what it's called. And it's just this awesome opening scene of Knuckle Duster having like jumped off that previous building he was on. And he, he looks like he's holding on to some jump rope or something, like just flying through the air. I love this panel. It's such a... It's so animated you know what i mean like for it to just be a still picture of him you can see the the emotion and everything built up in his face it's great yeah and he definitely uh lands in trash which is uh in character for him (laughs) totally yeah you're right he does he lands right there in a big old trash pile i feel bad for him though because he's getting this call like he's chasing down his daughter that's been infected by some sort of parasite and he gets a call from the doctor's office in regards to his wife's condition so clearly, you know, there's something going on and it's, I don't want to say funny, but it's ironic maybe because, you know, the doctor's like, we need you over here uh, at Pronto. And he re- replies with, right, okay, understood. The whole family will be right over. Like, I'm bringing my daughter no matter what. Yeah. In my version, it says, uh, the, the voice on the other side of the phone from the hospital says, it's your, wife con- it's your wife's condition a little while ago, she, and then it trails off into ellipses, which kind of leads you to maybe think that it's taken a bad turn. Right. Um, and it, I mean, it was already really bleak. It was, but at the same time, later on, spoiler alert, um, if you're not reading along with us, um, later on, he, uh, Knuckle Duster, says to Tamao, mom is waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, which when I read that, I didn't interpret that as she died, but that she has made maybe a positive turn. And we won't, I'm sure we'll find that out eventually, but that was I my mean, interpretation of that particular line anyway. Maybe, but wasn't that like right after, spoiler alert, Knuckle Duster like blows up his daughter? So my mind, like the way that I read it was like, well, maybe your, you know, your mother has passed and you're about to meet her. Yeah, I mean, he's resuscitating her when he says this line, or actually thinks this line, Mom is That's waiting fair. for you. But it wouldn't be well, appropriate for him 
to try to bring her back to life and also wish that she joined her mom in death. So That's that fair. was the other yeah. contextual clue that I was like, I think she's okay, but um, well, it remains to be seen. But I'm 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 leaning towards the optimistic outcome for uh, Knuckle uh, Knuckle Duster's wife. Sure. Well, before any of that takes place, uh, <laughs> we transition back over to Pop Step, who is just trying to entertain the crowd. She's a little awkward at first. Like she's bringing up some weird stuff about how she's already used the bathroom, so she probably won't accidentally have to while she's flying up above the crowd. And the people behind stage are trying to like figure out how this relates to anything, but then she wraps it back around and like is able to get her little posse of the X-Men crew that we like so much to basically be kind of guards. I mean, like almost like brings them on staff, has them use their glow sticks and everything to light up an area. So that way, if an emergency takes place, they can be escorted out. And I love it because the one X-Men that is Cyclops is instead of using glow sticks, he's just using his like laser eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um it kind of reminded me of um the that trope in anime where somebody gets so excited that they kind of blow blood out of their nose. Yeah. Like he yeah. just seems super psyched and so he's just uh you know point blanking it or point break into the sky. He's just like, "Yeah." I'm just screaming yeah, exactly. and his lasers are going off, but yeah, it doubles yep. as a light source too, which is which is funny. <laughs> So and she's doing a great job and it seems like everybody behind stage is really pumped about her doing an awesome job and she feels good about it. Uh, so she starts singing a couple songs to just, you know, take care of the audience when we switch over to Aizawa, your favorite. Oh yeah. So he's just, he's basically using uh Teruo as like a beanbag chair. It's he's, so funny. He's still like wrapped up um, in the wrappings and Teruo begins to mutter pop again. And uh, as I was trying to kind of make sense of this, he does figure out that, he he connects the dots like pop is pop step who is performing, you know, a building or two over and up. Um, and he's like, Hey, you can catch her, her next show. Big, big guy. But then he notices a bee land on the, on Teruo. And uh, it's hard to tell based on the, the one panel in the manga, but uh, it's because a bee is on him and it has its stinger in him. But even the automatopoeia doesn't do us a lot of favors with discerning whether it is injecting something or extracting something. So Aizawa literally has to have that discussion where he's like, injecting something? No, it was su- sucking something out. Um, and Aizawa tries to smack it, but it seems to have gotten away. Did it get away? I thought he was able to to like get it i guess not yeah you're i saw right. where just, it says whap and there's still a buzz and it ends up stinging uh tamao in just a couple panels so i assume that gotcha. it got away safely that aizawa just barely missed i guess i didn't realize that that was the same one that stung tamao i also was wondering wasn't aizawa the one that took out to toru originally like Teruo? when he first showed up um, Teruo? yeah uh i'm just surprised I, I he didn't remember. i think connect. so i thought he was so i was really shocked that he didn't connect the dots that like Hey, a couple months ago, didn't I take down a creature that looked just like this? Maybe a little bit smaller, trying to get to pop step already. Weird yeah. that I'm doing it again, and it's a bigger vert. You know what I mean? Like, it felt like there should have been a little bit more dot connecting there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly don't recall. I'm sorry, but that no. sounds right. I think Aizawa was. Well, no. I don't remember. I know Aizawa had one other run in with Knuckle Duster, but I don't. I can't remember if it was with the eel or not. Yeah, anyway, well, regardless. We can, yeah, we'll we'll fact check ourselves later. You can ping us on Twitter and the Discord and tell us how wrong or right we are. We love <laughs> that. Honestly, we do enjoy that discussion. In fact, we've got a couple of uh folks in the Discord who will point out uh 
one way or the other, why you guys are really right or why you guys are terrible. And we just laugh and, and talk about how we arrived at our terrible conclusions. So <laughs> I arrive at a lot of them. I mean, if it was up to me, most of these characters would be related. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we, we end up following up with, uh, honey and knuckle duster and it's pretty wicked because he has basically trapped her in a corner like he knows the city better than her he also kind of knew how she would be trying to get away so he was able to direct her into this segregated corner and she freaks out and just immediately starts trying to release as many bees as she can and she's also stinging herself with them i think because she starts to like transform like she's injecting herself with trigger so yeah it's strange I, and we I, also get this weird like user personality breakdown that doesn't really make any sense yeah it's um i couldn't tell if i don't think she was just strictly injecting herself with trigger i think that you know she part of her job wasn't just injecting trigger but also extracting data um and so i wonder if this is where i get this idea that 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 bee that stung teruo got away and stings her because she seems to be kind of injecting herself with triggered up versions of other people's quirks almost like chemically extracting them and then somehow it works when she puts them into her own body like she becomes a vessel for multiple quirks maybe yeah um because i don't know like if if she's if if tamao's actual quirk is this queen bee thing now you know was she quirkless beforehand if if so would trigger do anything to her if it if not if she did have a quirk before she got this other quirk that is queen bee and she gets stung with a trigger which one gets enhanced the queen bee thing or the her original quirk it's it's all very muddy to me um but yeah there's this kind of infographic if you want to call it that where uh it breaks down the bee user with where it's a hive mind that involves a parasite and a host um and it says that the, the i think the whole function of this particular infographic is to explain how it is that tamao actually surfaces which also screams possession language you know this Definitely. is very much like like when you're watching you know the exorcist and all of a sudden the the little girl you know her voice or her personality is able to uh kind of break through and be dominant even for a split second, even if the creature inside of it allows it for that moment or uses it deceptively. But that that's kind of what goes on here. It, it explains that the trigger allows the host's personality to kind of uh, rise back to the surface. Um, and so you get a little bit of a, a flashback, a few panels that try to explain what uh, Tamao's history with uh, Knuckle Duster actually is, that she was his daughter. And wanted to be a musician, but he seemed to try to kind of squash that dream and it really, you know, burned her. And so she basically ran away and bumps into the previous host of Queen Bee. Um, who looks like the current host. Yeah, yeah. They they do look similar. Who looks like Tamao does now. Um, and she even says such a pain, a old farts like him. And old farts was something that uh, Tamao used to refer to Knuckle Duster at the beginning of chapter 23. Um, so it's almost like that original B user queen B quirk host person's, uh, terminology is carried over as well. Um, but she drops that kind of language when Tamao emerges and refers to him for the first time as dad. Remember at the beginning of chapter 23 or maybe at the end of 22, he refers to her as daughter and she's just like, I don't know who you are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but, but now she's on the surface, drops the old fart language knows who he is and is still mad at him, which is significant, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, he even says like, oh, good, tomorrow is, this is good, you know, our first talk in a while, father to daughter. And then uh, he says, you know, thinking back, I know I didn't really do right by you. No excuses. I've spent a lot of time reflecting, and he's ready to take this this creature down. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to go at it full force, but she kind of pulls something out of her, out of the bag last second. She, like, fuses up. Well, I say fuses. She, like, does something weird with her hands where she's turned them into these, like, talons. And she basically like pops him in the chest. And when she pulls these talons out, there's electricity going between her hands. She looks like Piccolo in these scenes to me. Like it's very Piccolo. <laughs> she does a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Her fingers definitely are, are Namekian. Um, yeah. But she, so like Knuckle Duster, his, his gauntlet, the little electric fist thing that he has is more like a stun gun in design. What she uses against him is more like a taser where it's right. penetrative and then delivers a shock almost in, like, well, not almost internally. I mean, just not terribly deeply in most cases. Um, well, and she repeats exactly what he said verbatim in the yep. last chapter. She says a hit to the chest could stop your heart. Plenty of time to reflect in hell, dear old dad. And we end right there. So that's a pretty big, powerful scene. I mean, if you were reading this and you ended here, you'd have reason to think that Knuckle Duster's dead. Well, and he certainly thinks that he's he's that way at the beginning of episode <laughs> slash chapter twenty five, which is called Goodbye to Dad. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's he's explaining what it is that you just described. He's like, you know, I felt that whole shock in my body. Um, this this heart is going into V fib and I had to look I've always heard of AFib. Yeah, um, I didn't like know what V-fib was, though. Huh? I said I didn't know what V-fib was, though. Yeah, I looked this up. So AFib is atrial fibrillation, which is where your uh, heart kind of has an arrhythmia. Um, it, it's just an irregular rhythm or heartbeat, and it refers to the top two chambers of your heart working. Um, V-fib refers to the bottom two chambers, and it's called ventricular fibrillation. Hmm. Um, and ventricular means that the your blood isn't being pumped out of the heart. Um, and he, he says that, I mean, he says in one of the panels only got a few seconds before blood stops flowing to my brain. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you're right. He does. So he describes that physiologically, um, fairly well, but I had to look it up. I've always heard of AFib and I was like, what the heck is VFib? But I'm no doctor. So, well, and it's kind of, it backs up what you said about her maybe hosting different quirks here too, because right after he explains everything, he's even thinking to himself, like an electric quirk, she had that ace up her sleeve. Like, where did this come from? So it clearly wasn't his daughter's original quirk. And we don't, right. I mean, from what we've been presented, I wouldn't say that this was originally to uh, the honey or queen bee's quirk either. So she must yeah. have been storing people's quirks like in liquid vials somehow, like extracting after she used trigger on them or something. Yeah, I think in her bees, um, which yeah. she could deploy, which is kind of neat. Um, and this totally impresses Knuckle Duck, Duster. He's just like, that's my baby girl. She's so clever. Yeah, <laughs> you I know. know. Even, it's really even funny. As, as he's about to die, he's just like, that's my girl. Yeah, and then falls over. <laughs> yeah, with a big and old thud. Even she's admitting, like, that really messed up his uh, her arm. Like, this really, really took her down, and her arm looks severely injured here. Uh, and she does keep saying this, like, see you in hell, dear old dad. Like, the way she's talking to him is very, maybe his daughter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it definitely, I think the see you in hell is maybe more the Queen Bee personality, but Tamao seems to still be vacillating over control. I don't know. She Like I said, when she became Tamao or Tamao surfaced, she was still pretty pissed with yeah. Knuckle Duster. Um, so it could very much be that she, Tamao, is still just like, you're garbage, Dad. Um, well, or she may be hill. stuck. 
in that moment you know what i mean like to her maybe no time has passed at all yeah well yeah i I suppose it's a possibility and uh, this um the damage that she does to her arm uh it kind of looks almost like midoriya uh, not quite as like visceral bloody um but just a different shade of gray basically on the arm in the grayscale of the manga um and then later on there's talk about uh from knuckle duster that like tamao as the host body isn't um, able to it, it's not she hasn't trained she's not used to the application of these quirks and so uh, that that kind of goes back even to the my hero proper where all might is explaining to midoriya you know you you need to train your body because right now as you are when i first gave you this you know my all my hair spaghetti um that, <laughs> that your body cannot handle this right now yet um and so all all at once uh, Tamao's body is being subjected to a quirk that she isn't trained for, but it doesn't matter much to the queen because uh, she even starts referring to the body in like third person where she's like this body or that body. I don't remember what the terminology is, but uh, she's, she refers to it as if it isn't her own because it isn't. And so because it isn't, she doesn't much care that it's going to wreck this one because she could just plop herself out of the eye and go find another one. Yeah, it's pretty sick. It is. It's pretty gross, um, especially when they show it um yeah it's a gross quirk we'll talk about that in just a few pages but between tamao kind of walking off after presumably killing knuckle duster we get a concert scene um but it isn't all that great when you say that (laughs) yeah (sighs) we get a concert scene we get a concert (sighs) scene before we started recording adam was like I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. And I think my verbatim response was it was six to eight pages of my life that I wish I could get back. Yeah. And part of the reason is because I compare this probably unfairly to um, Hero 2 and Jiro in, in Class 1A putting this on uh, at the school festival. They It's not apples to apples, obviously, because this one is a corporate jingle and the other one is a heartfelt story that are a heartfelt song whose lyrics were also a story um, of Jiro and you get her backstory in the midst of that. This has none of that. It just is, I didn't like it. It didn't, it didn't enamor me. I, I read all of it, but I very much skimmed it as quickly as I could to just move past it. Um, did you have a different reception of it? No, I mean, it was okay. It's just one of those things where, you know, there's no music behind it. There's no color on the pages. It's not moving. It's not fancy. Like, it doesn't sparkle. You know what yeah, I mean? Whereas, there's, there's no airy in the crowd smiling for the first time yeah. on cam- you know, on panel or in the anime. There is you the see- X-Men freaking out in the back. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, and you do see, like, all of the elements that Mikado had discussed are on show, you know, with the blocking of the different... Uh, people on the stage and who's doing what and all that is fine and dandy but i don't know it it just fell flat for me and uh, again it's because i reflexively wanted to compare it to hero 2 um at the school festival and that concert is vastly superior to this in every single way um yeah yeah well and i mean it just means more to us in general just because we have a more personal connection i feel like to those characters than we do these characters so, it, but it also didn't seem like a super defining moment for anybody. I mean, maybe it is for Pop because she's really doing her first real concert. But outside of that, we don't, we have no attachment to anybody else in this festival. It's not even a festival. It's like a, 
local karaoke concert like yeah like i said a couple chapters ago i mean realistically we've only had two chapters with maybe 10 panels to bond to these people we'll never see again outside of pop i just don't think these characters matter all that much and i think too that like you know you'd mentioned maybe this is a big moment for pop i don't think so i think her moment came before this when i think so too president mike was on standby and she had to MC this thing um you know that was that was her big moment in this she's just part of an ensemble um you know everybody seems to be pretty psyched about it cyclops is blasting his optic laser into the sky point breaking it um you have the the wolverine analog with his wooden swords from his arms named quirk uh you know breaking them <laughs> out um but the the lyrics they're just a corporate jingle. There's nothing sexy about it. There's no narrative significance to any of this. It was just like, here, we're going to pad this out some. Um, I mean, I guess they had to show up because they built up to it the way that they did. But even the build up, you and I kind of skimmed over a lot. Like, it just didn't do anything to to beg us to invest a lot of time breaking it down or talking about, well, you know, like last, I think our last episode, we hand waved like a dozen pages of Mikado organizing stuff. <laughs> I feel like it's really a MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin to get all these people in the right spot to have a crisis. Yeah. There's just a thousand ways to do that. I don't know. I, I should have I mean, looked up. To be fair, this, this like side manga mirrors almost everything verbatim from the main show. Like if you take a look at the first uh, volume i think we've talked about this before the first episodes are almost identical oh yeah so first it chapters first chapters yeah so it doesn't surprise me that this is very similar like they tried to make it very similar to the school festival and it just kind of fell flat it, well i guess before i don't know if this would have been if the school festival would have already been out by the time this came out but i don't know it just feels like one of those things where they were like well the main story did it maybe the manga version of that was really well done and people really were receptive to it so they wanted to try and replicate it but i felt like it fell flat on this one yeah and that's what i was beginning to say earlier was i i wish i had uh thought to look up the the release date of this episode versus the the episode or chapter of my hero where we see jiro and class 1a do the concert i suspect that my hero did this first um but even if it didn't even if my hero is the one who copied this particular gimmick or, you know, narrative beat from the vigilantes material. It did it in a much more meaningful, entertaining way um, than, than this was delivered. And this is probably the biggest knock I've had against the vigilante stuff. I mean, ever, I mean, in, in all of the volumes that we've covered, this is the part where I'm just like, I didn't like really any of this stuff, not the organizing, <laughs> not the execution. I'm glad it's over and it interrupted the thing that I really wanted to see. Um, so I don't know. I was, very, I was very frustrated with it. I, I don't I don't give much of this stuff very high marks, plus Captain Celebrity. So, you know, automatic minus 10, 20 points, something like that. See, what we need is like Hero Killer Stain coming out of the crowd last second, throwing a bunch of daggers into Captain Celebrity. It would clear everything <laughs> up for you. That would be awesome. The, the generators are here, a, if, and then he's just, yeah, just demolished murder. by stain. Um, <laughs> I would be all for that. And I'm still kind of desperately hoping that you're right on that front, and Captain Celebrity meets his, meets his demise in the hand stain. I would be, that would redeem all of this. Well, and I'm hand-waving the six to eight pages that I want back. <laughs> it seems like you and honey have something in common because once she realizes that the, you know, event is back on, she's pretty pissed off and just wants to crash the party. 
Uh, but what's great is Knuckle Duster doesn't want her to. He's like walking down this alley. It's very, it feels very Batman-esque. Like the way that he's drawn in this, the way he's emerging from the shadows. And he's got these traps that just won't stop. I mean, his traps in this picture are <laughs> insane. They're like up past his ears. Uh, but he's unplugging something out of his skin. And it looks like he has basically refibbed himself with something coming out of the device he was going to punch her with. So he's using that for more than just one thing. And he, he says, daddy's rooting for you. That's great. Yeah, and and she again, I guess Tamao's still on the surface because she does still refer to him as Daddy. This is this is weird pep talk from Daddy, is what she says. Yeah, because he's talking about how she was the one that really deserves to be up on stage. I guess her previous musician life, maybe she was going to be an all star, and he basically prevented that. Uh, so he's still rooting her on. Yeah, and he and he fesses up to the fact that he mishandled this situation, and he's trying to make up for it by rescuing her essentially from this uh this parasitic infestation and uh so he this is where we get that third person referral where she tamao says i really liked this body treated it well even i mean that's language that is queen bee language i mean she's just like this is i'm not referring to this body as my own and then she says might as well use it up and move on to the next one Yep, and then I feel like this next daddy is almost like a facetious. I think Queen Bee's back in control here. I think so um, too. I agree. So it's she's almost like this is goodbye for real, daddy. Instead of like this is goodbye for real, daddy. Um, if you can catch the difference in those, but uh, this time she does manifest a bunch of those um, bombies, and, and she's like dripping blood everywhere at this point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that that is part of the the physical consequence of exercising her quirk. And I think this is where he gets into this too. Um, a swarm of genuine uh, bombies and enough vultures to fry her own body. Since she's using those two quirks on the fly without proper training, her body will not be up to the tax. Uh, so that whatever this next thing is, is going to kill my baby girl. Um, so even he knows that this queen bee thing is just like, I'm done with this body. It's, it's outplayed its part. This guy's all over it. Let's just kill him and then go find another host and, and keep doing the dastardly things that we do. Yeah, but he has another plans. I mean, he's having all these flashbacks about how, like, the look that she has on her face right now when she's attacking me is the same look she had in her eyes that day, where I guess he feels like he ultimately failed her and says that he finally lost her because he wasn't able to reach out to her, basically, in her time of need. And he says today's different, and he anticipates this interaction just perfect enough that he's able to dodge her and strike her and knock her out uh using this like electrical fist that he's got i mean it's it's really really cool yeah and uh that that's the very end of uh episode 26 is just this electrical punch to her chest um with that uh taser fist um and uh, then you get this awesome, man, did you, I don't know if you saw this in the digital stuff, but did you see the knuckle duster drawing from Horikoshi? Um, I, maybe I didn't. Dude, it is sick. I'm going to, I'll upload this when, uh, when this episode goes live, but there's a page between episode 25 and 26 that says, congratulations on volume four. Knuckle duster really is the greatest. And it says message from Koei Horikoshi. So I'm assuming that this illustration of, uh, knuckle duster is done by his hand and it is fan freaking tastic it's yeah, all shadows and stuff dude i would love to see that you'll have to You're, post it on twitter 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, and then we get into the beginning of uh, episode 26, which is just entitled Tamao on my end. Um, mm-hmm, and it begins with here. a conversation between Knuckle Duster and Girin. Um, and we talked about this briefly earlier, like he's requesting his pain meds. He's asking for um, these uh, electrical knuckles, but he also makes this request that is ellipses here. He wants a stun gun with and it's ellipses and... Garen can't believe what it is that he's asking for, but what he ends up asking for, what's removed and revealed later, is that he's asking for this thing to basically be in um, uh, in uh, a defibrillating device as well. Yeah, and I also love that in this scene with Garen here, he's like smoking, he's lighting a cigarette, and he's got one of those guns that are also a lighter, which I feel like is a really weird villain trope that they have like, yeah, <laughs> is like a sword or a gun or some sort of weapon that is just a lighter, uh, and that cracks me up. My favorite thing about this next scene, too, is um, so Tamao is like lying down and uh, Knuckle Duster is very calmly but very brutally explaining things to her. And so he's like, you shouldn't be talking B user. That shock I've got is going to it's got your heart spasming. It's going to stop blood flow, uh, blood flow to the brain. That body's already dead. You need to get up out of here. But I'm not or you can shock your heart back into um, back into operation, but then he steps on her hand and is like, that's what I did, but that's not what I'm going to let you do. And it's and brutal it the way that brutal. he talks his way through this to her. And his, um, her face in this is like horrific looking. Her eyes are like rolling into the back of her head. Yeah. And then he says that once, since you've lost control, that that swarm is just going to flee on instinct. Um, and so it, it shows the, all these bees flying out of her head. And then he takes this crazy extractor and shoves it down into Tamao's eye and removes the queen bee, which have you ever seen those uh, like videos where they're removing like bot fly larvae? Yes, and it's disgusting. That's what it looked like. I just watched yep. one like a week ago where a vet removed one from like the nasal cavity of a kitten. Oh. And the thing was like as big as my pinky and as oh. wide as my thumb. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's disturbing watching this happen, but this is... The scene is he reaches down with this extractor, grabs a hold of this giant bee maggot thing. I mean, in the way that they've drawn it out, it looks like he's lobotomized her, basically. Yeah. He's, he drops it onto the ground. And, uh, oh, we skipped over this, but he also asked Jiren for some chemicals that are just like X's and triangles and O's. Probably and pheromones he, is what I'm assuming. Yeah, he basically explains, like, Jiren's like, what are you whipping up? And he's just like, it's fine, it'll attract insects. Um, so he's divides this, like, bomb that uh, sprays the pheromone around the queen bee larvae, so it attracts all the bees that vacated Tamao to it, and then he, it blows it up and then presumably kills all the bees in the process, which is a super sick move. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And he's walking away from the boom. You know, how the, there's always that hero or the villain that blows something up and then they're walking away from it, back turned to the explosion. Yeah. And he just says, and a candlelight vigil to boot. And this is it's- another scene where, like, They've drawn it so that his shoulders literally meet like above his ears, and I think it's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a Ninja Turtle almost, like like he's got a shell. He kind of does. It almost does look like it looks like it could be a shell and just not shadowed well. But yeah. I know the intent was to give him traps that do not exist on a normal human. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he looks like um, he looks he, like the Raphael from the Michael Bay movies. Like totally. if you were to just completely silhouette him out, that's what it that's what it would look yep. like, or like a Bane character. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But now he goes back to Tamao um, and uses the um, defibrillator that was built into his um, his shocking muscles um, and uh, connects connects the diodes or you know the leads um, to her chest and begins to bring her back. And this is where that line drops where um, he shocks her, begins uh, doing chest compressions, um, and uh, he says, "Mom is waiting for you. Come home. Mom is waiting for you." Which I interpreted that to mean. You know, I want you to live because mom is alive, not I'm going to kill you because she's dead now, too. That's what the general or yeah. that's what the hospital told me. No, that's totally fair. Now that I'm looking back through this, I think you're right. I also appreciate that. And I know that this is a silly thing to point out. Um, but in the scene where he actually turns the defibrillator on, like it very easily could have been drawn with an upskirt and they didn't do that like are you you know what panel i'm talking about yeah there's a panel where he's like turned it on and it, it even has like an automatopoeia it says flump like she's getting hit with electricity and bumping up her her body and yeah. the way that it's drawn is kind of like from her angled from her feet and so it could have been done pretty distastefully but i thought they handled this one really yeah, well they did i super appreciated that because again like we have to remind ourselves and our listeners of this or maybe we don't have to, but we do because sometimes it's good for a laugh. But these are ch- children, um, right? <laughs> you know that were so. I don't, I don't want to see that on a child. And uh, just it was a weird thing to notice. But in this panel, I was like, I'm glad that they handled this tastefully. Um, yeah, I actually had they the very same easily thought. Could not have. Yeah, no, I had the same thought. I'm glad that you said that. Uh, one of the things I really appreciate about this scene, though, is that knuckle duster makes it personal he takes his mask off and we've not seen him do that in the field yet so he he takes off the knuckle duster persona he's dad now you know what i yeah. mean he's no longer That's knuckle duster so i thought that was kind of a nice and i also feel like this him referring to her as a tamoa ogura confirms his last name that that the doctor called him what his real last name is yeah yeah so yeah. I mean, I don't think he was obscuring his identity in the hospital. I don't know how he could have because his wife presumably was admitted with her real name. Sure. but So I mean, to just be admitted to visit her, she, he he might have been able or he might have had to prove that he was, you know, direct kin or whatever. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, but then we transition back over to Aizawa hanging out with, uh, you know, the poor kid that's been... Triggered. Yeah. I mean, they've got him all locked up. And I really appreciate this scene, too, because the police have got him locked up and his hands look really cool. They look like uh, they've got like hieroglyphics on them or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, the police officer that's got him locked up is like, all right, well, we'll handle it from here. You know, we're going to take him on off. And they, they even try to like usher the villain away. And the poor kid is like looking back up at the concert and Aizawa was like, actually, could you just wait a few more minutes? I'll watch him until he's calmed down. Like he, he knows that something's up and he's letting this villain listen to this music one last little bit, which is pretty cool. I super loved these two pages for that exact reason. Like you said it best, like Aizawa is hanging out with him right now and he's just like, listen, just, just let him catch the concert. It's not, you know, he didn't, he didn't really do anything terribly dastardly. I intercepted him. We have him under control. Just g- give him this thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that he, I think Aizawa still um, feels like Turuo is the victim of something because he's mentioned more than once that like, whatever this physical manifestation is, he doesn't think that it was like his actual quirk. Um, like, like he, he doesn't think there was any ill will there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, th- I just like that he's, he shows, uh, you know, a soft, warm, compassionate, just chill side here where he's just like, dude, relax. Just let him listen to the concert. I super love this. Isaiah, Isawa continues to be 
and prove that he is the best. He's super wholesome for sure. Uh, and then we get some more concert stuff. Everybody's happy. Everyone enjoyed it. And we move back to Aizawa. And this is awesome because Sukoichi shows up and he's actually kind of going on about the instant villains again. And Aizawa's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. Uh, and he's like, this isn't one of the instant villains, is it? Like, they're kind of having a conversation trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And Aizawa's like, well, there's definitely something weird about him, but I have my doubts that this the enhanced manifestation of this quirk was caused by a drug. So he's, yeah. he's kind of not super sure. Uh, and Sukuichi asked him, like, did you find a trigger or a syringe, anything that maybe did something? And he says, no, but speaking of syringes, I did find a bee. And this is something that I think Sukuichi, at least in Vigilantes, has started to connect, is that all of the incidents that have happened so far, there have been correlated bee stings or animal bites or things like that. Yeah, I mean, he says that. He says, we've had, we have testimony from a number of people reporting insect stings during the mass outbreak of instant villains the other day. And he's just like, I'll make a note of it, you know, and if you think of anything else, here's my number, blah, blah, blah. And it trails off and your eye is drawn to a guy who is wearing what kind of looks like a paramedic uniform. It, it doesn't look like that at first glance, but when he, like you see his back. Like a delivery uniform or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's walking around and he's tossing up like a pill bottle um, and catching it over and over again. And he starts kind of singing uh, and he's like, data, data, data is the key, data on subject, sweet as honey. And then he notices a bee, um, one of Queen Bee's bees, uh, with the hypodermic butts. I know all bees have it. I keep saying that. But this, you, 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 you know what? Just read the manga and you'll understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he's singing and he tosses the bottle up, jumps up there and snatches this other bee in it. Uh, and he seems to be very familiar with it because he's like, the many are reduced to one or something like that. And he walks off into the crowd, kind of disappears. Nobody else seems any to be paying him any mind. This felt very um, much so like a hail Hydra kind of thing. Well, I, I just, the thing that I had was maybe this was the guy that honey slash Tamao slash queen bee was always in con, uh, contact with. Like maybe. maybe this is the person on the other side of the, the AirPods or but earbuds. I'm almost doubting now. What if that was like another bee user or what if that was the queen bee? And at some point in time, queen bee switched bodies in between all these chapters and it was behind the scenes kind of thing. Well, I thought that for a minute, because if you're watching, like, if you look at all the panels that he's in, save for the very last one, or uh, one of the last ones, his uh, left eye is obscured. Right. Like, in the first panel, it's black. In the next panel that he's in, it's but covered up with his it. hat. That's true. Um, yeah, but then you do see it, and he's got a normal eye. Um, he does have that weird, I say weird, he does have some sort of, like, scar or something yeah. over his face, though. Yeah, and I, I don't know what to make of that, but I assume that this queen bee thing might not be totally over. He's involved with it somehow. I don't know. I just don't think, uh, I, I'd be, I think that that is too big of a seed for them to just be like, and then the queen bee thing lives on somehow <laughs> in this over. one drone. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't yeah. think so. I think you're right. I think this guy's got something more to do with what's going on. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to wait, um, and see, um, how that develops and how Tamao recovers. And if, she's able to patch things up with knuckle duster or vice versa um how much of or not she becomes a part of the ensemble cast because she's very she's been a part of the scenery of this book from the beginning um out, not chapter one i don't think but one of the f next two or three chapters she breaks onto the scene knuckle duster certainly not going anywhere and it would be strange to me if the daughter that he just rescued just 
goes and lives off panel somewhere. Like if that's like just hand waved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, maybe I she'll move in that... Ko- with Koichi. He'll have a bunch of new roommates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. His, his the occupancy of his little uh, shopping or uh, shipping con- container is is about to increase yeah. by one. <laughs> Unless, I mean, because the mom's in the hospital, and we don't know that Knuckle Duster has another house. Well, I mean, do we? <laughs> no, but Knuckle Duster also just killed this kid, his kid. Like, I mean, we don't know <laughs> yeah. that he's brought her back to life yet, and what he's doing that's is pretty true. risky. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe this is just a turn for him and he accidentally kills her and that's part of the new story arc, like oh, his remorse Gosh. or something like that. I hadn't thought about that. I assume that she's alive. I mean, we've not been given any information. That <laughs> that's is, true. The last time we saw her, that. she was literally dead. Yeah. Way to bring me down there, Adam. <laughs> Sorry, um, man. Well, <laughs> if you want to be brought back up, we can talk about episode zero real quick. Yeah, yeah. And this is just this brief out of continuity uh, maybe dozen pages thing where like All Might and Aizawa are explaining to class 1A students what a vigilante is. Yeah. And basically what they break it down to is that they're they are villains. Uh, I mean they say that verbatim on page 1. Uh, Aizawa's like in this age vigilantes can be considered villains. Even the word villain and vigilante are kind of the same. And I love all of the All Might quips in the background. Like there's all of the throughout this entire little thing there are these all might quips where he's he's not in a word bubble like on the first page he's he says young man now is the time for a spinoff <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm here to explain is what it says on uh, uh in the uh, production manga that's funny and then right and, next to where as i was calling them vigilantes villains it says villain and vigilante do have a similar ring to them after all <laughs> yeah and then you get uh, just brief introductions of Knuckle Duster, Pop Step, and Koichi. Like Knuckle Duster fights Baraka in an alleyway. Yes, um, it does look just like Baraka. It, yeah, it's, it's straight up. It's Baraka or the terrible first version of Ryan, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool with the sword that comes <laughs> yes. out of his arm. Yep. The one that we don't talk about. And then there's Pop, who has been introduced as kind of just like floating around over the crowds, like flashing everybody. And it doesn't really bother her. Yeah. And Minetta's there. Minetta's there. Yeah, I kind of like that. <laughs> and he's funny. just like, whoa, I see panties when yeah. she's leaping up through the air. He the says, best part uh, about her. Panty shot in mine. Oh, does it? Yeah. The, the best part about her little introduction is that it calls her the bounding exhibitionist girl. And the term exhibitionist kind of works in two ways for her because she's an exhibitionist performer, like a street performer. Sure. And then she's also just literally showing her goods to everybody. Just like, uh, what's her name at the, uh, you remember during the beauty contest when, uh, Oh, oh man, yeah. what was her name from one class? of the big three? Yeah. Why are we terrible at names? Oh, um, man. but yeah, she like, I made the comment that as she was floating up above everybody, that she was literally flashing everybody yeah <laughs> and that was her quirk too was also kind of flashy flashy yeah she was, put, she was putting on a light show with like drawing like roses and stuff uh nigiri that's the Nigeria, name Nigeria. yeah yeah that she was just flashing everybody um and yeah pop step is just like yep that's what i do i'm the exhibitionist hero um that's funny it doesn't and, say uh, that at all in my my version it, it doesn't in the little box that says like such and such colon pop step. Nope. And you figured it would because mine is typically a little bit like less censored than Race your here. version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, mine says a girl skipping through the sky delighting in petty crimes pop step. Oh. Like she's almost not even marketed as a vigilante more like a just low petty criminal. Yeah. And then, well, and that's the other thing about Koichi's introduction here is he absolutely is doing heroic things. He's doing the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. Picking up trash, helping old ladies across the street, all this stuff. But at the end of his, it's like, kindly, kindly dude, nice guy. But then Aizawa's <laughs> yeah. like, yep, 
uh, all the individuals that we just seen are criminals. And then uh, Koichi kind of breaks out of his panel and it's just like, what? Even me? Yeah. Yeah. They call him the, uh, the a kind lad, gentle man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. And then you kind of get a crossover where they are physically in the same space as Aizawa and Class 1A and All Might and uh, All Might's little wording at the bottom of this particular page is uh it it says it's a whole convention of them which i thought was really funny <laughs> in mine it says they're coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden <laughs> yeah and then uh it, i mean it basically just ends where i was like yep they are objectively villains yeah. um and uh and it's just like well that's the end of that and then it shows the three of the vigilante characters kind of Going off into the sunset and Endeavor and Kamui Woods and Mount Lady watching them go for some reason. And it, but right, right before, before that, that. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so go weird because it's like they focus in on Knuckle Duster's hands and they focus in on Koichi's feet and they focus in on Pop's ass. That's. Yep. I, and it says <laughs> boing as if, you know, this whole time we were kind of thinking that maybe that boing was coming, you know, from her steps. Sure. Uh, but sure it's not. Did. Apparently, apparently, it is her rear end that makes the boing sounds. So keep that in mind, uh, dear readers. Uh, when you when you see that automatopoeia around, it is apparently her butt cheeks. Um, yeah. Because that is absolutely what this panel implies. Yeah. Mine doesn't actually say boing. Oh, it doesn't. Mine it doesn't. does. In, but there is some very kanji there, so maybe it just didn't get translated. Uh, yeah. I do like though that it says uh, at the bottom here. It's got on the inside, they're heroes. Objectively speaking, they're villains. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do, you mustn't imitate the reckless action of these illegal heroes. Yeah, just a fun, you know. Um, it seems like a weird thing continuity. to have come out at the end of volume four, though. Yeah, you would think that it would be. I mean, they kind of had a little bit of this in volume one somewhere, like a kind of mini explanation of this stuff. It was fun anyway. I mean, it, it, it made me chuckle a couple of times. Sure. Um, yeah. I like the Mineta so. scene. Like, it was just nice to see some of our characters that we're used to interact with characters that we're getting used to. Yeah. I miss them. You know, I miss I one am I'm ready for the anime to come on back. I'm actually reading some of the school briefs right now uh, to possibly do some filler episodes solo. Um, so, uh, and I, I'm getting some exposure to the to the our usual cast of characters in those which has been pretty fun oh i bet that's nice well speaking of our usual cast of characters last week we said we were going to um cast gentle criminal he's a little bit more of our usual suspect compared to the vigilantes who did you choose man so actually i gotta correct you um <laughs> because awesome i love two it. episodes of hours ago <laughs> we said we were going to cast gentle but then we didn't instead we cast uh all, all for, for one, one. yeah because we just had a complete brain fart, and I didn't discover this until I went back and made a master list of all of our um, live castings, because we can't keep track of them in our own minds. Uh, and when I did that, I was like, huh, that, that week we said we'd cast Gentle Criminal, and then we didn't. And then the following week, we said we were going to cast Koichi, so I texted Adam, and I was like, uh, we got to cast Gentle Criminal and Koichi just to be, just to be caught up. Yes. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, I have for Gentle Criminal, I went through a handful of names. I initially thought that a perfect casting, given your rule, would have been Gene Wilder. Well, that's who I chose. So there you go. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, no, Gene Wilder was exactly who I chose. I mean, it's perfect. He he look, literally looks like Willy Wonka. Like, I yeah, mean, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, but for my casting rule, because I'm Gene Wilder passed away a few years ago i think did he um, i didn't realize he'd passed away i'm fairly certain he's not yeah, among august the 29th anymore. 2016 you're right um so for my casting for t if i was going to cast this person today 
Neil Patrick Harris. Oh man, that's that's perfect. I like that. I think NPH would do a killer job of being uh, of being gentle criminal, and they would have to age him maybe a little bit. But I think he could do a, a bang up job of capturing that kind of bubbly personality and quirkiness. I can um, see it. So I'm I'm for NPH. That's and a good I, one. I'm sorry I predicted slash stepped on your your casting. No, please him. don't. Gene Wilder's perfect. Yeah, it's a great casting. It is. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like even if you didn't cast gene wilder as i mean obviously gene wilder's not alive we can't use him but you would probably want to cast someone that looks very similar to him you know what i mean like just that same kind of frame the build the personality i think he would have been perfect well who did you cast for uh our other person koichi okay so he's like the main guy of our vigilantes live action movie yes so if i could have had anybody at any time again i kind of the first name that came into my mind fit your rules better than mine. But I think a younger Justin Long. Oh, yeah. Would have been really I good. I wish Koichi. I had thought of that. That's really awesome. But to stick with mine, I'm actually stealing one of your previous. I think you cast him for Aoyama, um, Finn Wolfhard. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like Finn. I think, I can see I that. think Finn could do well with Koichi. So I chose a guy named Chase Crawford. Uh, I will send you a picture of him right now let you see uh, he's been in a handful of things more recently he was in the boys i don't know if you've watched that at all but he has been in Mm-mm. other things okay i got gotcha. you i follow you there and and so now that we have this master list we're gonna post it somewhere and let you guys vote is that the plan yeah, I found a pretty nifty little application that kind of lets people vote on stuff uh, so i'm going to configure a page on the website where you can just scroll through and Choose who you think was more accurate. And it'll even let you comment and kind of justify why. Ooh, that's so fun. be nice to each other, because I don't want to have to moderate that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> now, what, uh, what website are you referring to there? It'll Adam? be on backpationetwork.com at some point in time. I can't guarantee when, but it'll be hopefully sooner rather than later. Cool. There will be have... big announcements on the Twitter, but it's going to be all of our characters, and it'll be pictures of side-by-side, and you guys can choose who had the more accurate casting. Sweet. And submit your own in the comments. Yeah, you can, like. you can submit your own in the comments or you can just defend your reasoning on the vote. Sweet. I'm for it. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. exciting. I'm going to play two and vote for all of mine, just so you know. <laughs> that's cheating. Except for, you had you had one casting. It was for uh, All for One, maybe. Uh, it was oh, the guy yeah, it was from Jason who played Statham. the blob. Oh, yeah, no. him, him, yeah. What's his name? I can never remember his name. No, or was that for Vlad King? That's who it that's was. That's for Vlad King, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's a dope casting. Yeah, um, he's such oh, an awesome actor. By the way, I watched um, John Wick for the first time this past week. I know I've never I'm, seen I'm, it. I'm well behind on these things, but guess who was in it? Who? The dude who I cast for Vlad King, who I said is literally listed as like soldier number one and everything that he's in. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. in there and he gets shot almost immediately. And I, but I was like, hey, that's my guy. That's um, awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a fun. I was like, hey, there goes my Vlad King. He's dead. Uh, he's, so he was alive for about ten seconds in that movie. <laughs> I love it. Well, who are we going to cast next week? Do you want to go ahead and do Pop, or do you want to do Knuckle Duster? Yeah, let's go Let's go with Pop, since we just did an adult. Okay. Um, well, Koichi with, is, uh, is Koichi more of an adult than Pop? No, 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 no. But I mean, like, I guess in my head, the, um, you know, with Gentle, okay. we kind of just yeah. did an adult. Um, and we haven't done, it's probably been a minute, I think, since we've done a female casting anyway. So. I like it. I've already got my casting for Pop Step, so I'm excited oh, for it. Oh, well, I don't, so you're an overachiever. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.
Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.